Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This week's episode of Screen Talk is sponsored by Blue Fox Entertainment's My Zoe, the emotional and complex new film from Julie Delpy. In My Zoe, Delpy plays Isabel, a brilliant scientist who co-parents with her ex, their beloved young daughter Zoe. But when a sudden accident leaves Zoe near death, Isabel finds herself pushing the boundaries of science and ethics to find a way to keep Zoe alive. My Zoe is a fascinating hybrid of drama and science fiction, with an exploration of the unlimited power of a mother's love that is bound to leave audiences talking. Critics rave about the film and its issues. IndieWire wrote, By the time the screen goes black one final time, Delpy has left enough to think about for another three acts. My Zoe also features brilliant performances from Daniel Bruhl, Gemma Arterton, and Richard Armitage. Opens February 26th. Listings are at myzoemovie.com. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly movie podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor at large, for our Golden Globes preview discussion. And Ann, it's one of those things where just when you think you've said everything there is to say about the Globes, along comes another expose to remind you that the HFPA is maybe not the most ethically scrutinous, scrupulous. That's the word I'm looking for. They are very scrutinized. That's they're, for they're sure. The, the most ethically scrutinized for good reason, perhaps, organization <laughs> out there. And, and and honestly, these revelations about, I don't, I don't know what to say, bribes and all the other kind of stuff. Then it's not that they're, surprising it's that they never cease to amaze me and i'm sure many other people because this thing commands so much attention and everyone's going to pay attention on sunday anyway doesn't matter how how do, how do we get to the point where any of this stuff actually affects the organization i think what the i think the question is um that's a really good way of putting it, Eric, because the question is, there's a Golden Globes uh, show that everybody, you know, knows and, and some people love and some people take more seriously uh, than others. There's a difference between being inside the industry and inside the awards ecosystem and recognizing full well exactly who these people are. We know them. They are not respected journalists. Well, we don't really know them. I mean, I have we do. Well, People met in him. LA yeah, you do met know him. them, and, and 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 some of them are more um, reputable than others, and and some of them are, are profoundly disreputable. But but it's it's um it's a it's a it's a question of of the people who. Um, there was a there was a tweet uh, by <laughs> Linda Obst, the producer, and she you know she made movies like Contact and and you yeah, know uh, legit. you know she's a legit producer and she uh, was sort of sent reassuring the Hollywood Foreign Press that she loves them and she cares about them and and she wants to continue working with them and why would she do that all right because everyone in Hollywood who is promoting something and is aiming at the Oscars in the end which is the end goal. They want to use the Golden Globes to get there. They want to get a win. They want to get a nomination. They want to get something they can put in an ad. It's all about that. 
And so they work these people and they work them in the same way that they work everyone. In other words, if you're a movie star, if you're Joss Whedon, how did Joss Whedon turn from an upstanding citizen into someone who has turned out to be some kind of toxic boss, serial uh, womanizer, if not sexual harasser? I mean, we don't know what he's actually done, but he's been accused of a lot of things. What, what in fact, you know, is, is the, is the um, reason that that could ever happen to, to someone who started out life as, as an upstanding citizen. It, it's because Hollywood blows smoke at all these people. It makes them think they're fabulous. It makes them think that they're all God's gift. Even the people on the foreign committee of the academy, which is no longer as much a, a thing because it's become expanded and, and people from all over the world can now participate in, in the, um, the picking of, 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 the, of the international films. That group because there were such a small number of people who had undue influence on, on voting for best foreign language film back in the day, they were wined and dined. The Critics' Choice uh, Awards, which you and I are both members of, the, there has been a, a noticeable increase in the amount of swag and the stuff that gets sent and the ways that they try to get you to look at their movie. Well, and I think also that you have to look at the uh, nature of the membership that's being swayed here and there's a distinction between the Hollywood figure who has so many different options and perhaps gets more streetwise as a result and can tell when someone is, is you know BSing them with a lot of praise so that they can get a result and somebody they can't like, always tell Eric well, but uh, obviously not everybody can tell when you're in it it's really hard to discern and people have to learn it's part of the process but what about somebody who the BS is all you have you know, if you're a, a journalist who doesn't have a lot of money and power, then getting swag in the mail or being invited to special events, that is the sole source of your power. So being a card carrying member of the HFDA, it's not like a bonus. It ends up being the thing you have going for yourself. And that's why I know. And that's the, the real problem is that there's so few of them. And I am truly disturbed by the idea that they are protecting their territory and not allowing other people to become members of the organization. They could have really helped themselves a lot if they had gotten bigger and more inclusive in every way. There are, there are basically no black people in this organization. Um, and they're they're really um, they're really insular and 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 they were fighting for their perks and fighting for their territory, uh, and, you know. So that somebody, if there was a person who represented Holland, they didn't want another person who represented Holland, you know, who would compete with that. Like the UN the stories. That's where they get in. That's where I go. Yo. And also, you know, I would say to it you that there are many, go, yo, something is up. there's mean, many, many, many um, uh, journalists, so-called. I would suggest that that's a word that we we have to use um, uh, judiciously. There are many people in the media who uh 
are invited to junkets. I mean, the junket thing happens across the media. It's not just the hot, they get them, they get the really good ones, obviously. Um, and eventually they started to pay their own travel. And eventually it, 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 at each turn that they've been accused, the Piazzadora thing is like 30 years old at this point. You know, it's like uh, enough already, but, but, but the, they've been trying to improve all these years. They started, it's true. They really did start as from a point of scarcity when they couldn't get arrested, they couldn't get access. And so they banded together to get access and they came up with this awards thing and it grew and grew and grew and grew over the years. But the truth of the matter is, Eric, that no one respects the Hollywood Foreign Press Association and no one takes the and Golden Globe seriously, yet even in, in, at least not inside Hollywood. And yet there's, I mean, we, we'll see what the, the virtual-ish, uh, ceremony looks like this weekend but it but it's it commands a lot of attention not only because of the the benefit that from different people's campaigns but because it generally makes for good tv to have all these famous people in the room of course it's like if you could swap out the hfpa for another organization that voted on on these movies you could still have a good show and just call it the, the critics Globe. choice awards has their own show it's it's a it's actually um you know a, a, a rival but let not it's very much smaller but 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 let me suggest to you that the show i'm very curious to see what that show is going to look like because you're absolutely right it's all those people clustered together having dinner drinking having fun that's not going to be the there the whole time or whatever. Yeah, you start. You want to look at those people things. talking to each other in reaction yeah. shots, and and that's what it's all about. And and you know, what the occasional grimace. I mean, I mean, that's the and that's the fun part. And if someone yeah, stumbles on the way to the stage, that's the yeah. fun part too. It, or, or like Emma Stone shouting out, "I'm sorry about Aloha" in the middle of something else happening on stage. Or Christine Lottie caught in the bathroom. You know, <laughs> it's it's what it's about. So I, I mean, this. I'm looking forward to Tina Fey and 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 uh, and and Amy Poehler, and I think I think that they can be counted on to to deliver uh, the right tone. It's an interesting year to have such a frivolous award show. You know. Yeah, we'll I mean, see. It's an interesting year for anything frivolous. The very concept of of being frivolous has been challenged by, by the past year and change. But we'll see. Maybe, maybe it'll be a, a welcome sort of sense of levity in that respect, too. And we'll go through the categories now. It's certainly possible that there could be some very powerful speeches from some of these winners. or some. some Sasha Baron Cohen is the one I'm looking forward to because he's up for three awards and he could win at least one, if not two, I think he'll win two. And uh, I think we can count on him to, to really deliver some power. You know, the, the famous Meryl Streep speech, This he's political too. And, and he's up for two different films, so The Trial political of the Chicago and Seven and Borat. That's the key. Yeah. yeah, having Chicago Seven and Borat together is sort of like this holy combo of sorts. I mean, he was the one guy of all the, the gazillion reactions to Globe nominations he seemed to kind of go viral with his response when he said, like, he hired Giuliani to defend him if uh, if he <laughs> lost or something like that. So I'm sure he'll have some good material like that. And, you know, meanwhile, a quiet little movie like Nomadland will be sitting there so we can sort of speculate about what this all means about momentum, because you seem to be predicting it's going to be a big night for Chicago 7. If anybody stands... And Borat, those two. It's going to be... 
Borat in Chicago. City. And maybe Leslie Odom uh, Jr. will will get more than one. He could get supporting actor and uh, song. Um, no, it's an interesting question. Um, I didn't. I, I put out my predictions. Uh, I'm never confident. By the way, I am never confident about my predictions. They're pretty much in line with what the standard issue predictions are. Uh, I didn't. I didn't take any any great risks because I went with Chadwick Boseman over Anthony Hopkins, which, you know, it. We'll see uh, how that plays out. Part of what goes on is this: is that there's a kind of momentum that comes with the new movies that are opening. So the father is opening. Nomadland yeah. is relatively new. More people Nomadland. are seeing them, so there's Very a certain true. momentum for them. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be fascinating to see where where the upsets lie. And remember, last year, I don't think everybody expected 1917 to do what it did at the end of the. I I checked my uh, predictions and I did predict 1917 for the Globes. But that one I do remember was it registered as a surprise by and large to people. And Hollywood, I remember uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was on the comedy side. So that, and 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 Bong Joon-ho's Parasite was in foreign language. Uh, right. So so that's why it all went down, you know, a, a different way. But even uh, then it was like, it still felt so, it was like so hard to imagine what Parasite would do, even though it was in the cards, you know, with the WGA and the SAG and all that kind of stuff. So it was like, oh, Maybe this is the obvious inevitable endpoint is 1917 on stage at the end of the night, just like the Oscars in a couple of weeks. But yes, but the point the point here is that the Golden Globes is this weird group of 87 people. It doesn't reflect the Academy at all. So all it does is add momentum to a, a movie and give it a, a, a bit of a boost. Right. It's not predictive. But it puts all. those movies, but it puts those movies on the stage in the spotlight in a way where they can actually speak to voters. So in a year where you can't have in-person- But winning a globe doesn't mean, you know, for example, I, I've, I've been thinking that maybe the fact that the, the Five Bloods was shut out would, would, would maybe the Academy would rise to its defense in some way. Or, or if, for example, Nomadland doesn't win, uh, drama, uh, and it goes to trial of the Chicago Seven in a weird reverse way. The Globes picked Chicago Seven. Of course, they picked the entertaining movie, right? The serious movie is the one that the Academy can support. Right. You see, there is there is, is a way to think about that. That is the potential split. I think if if anything, we're we're going to see confirmation of certain Oscar heavyweights. The trial in Nomadland split is fascinating. I mean, I'm not, I don't dislike either of those movies. I'm obviously more in the Nomadland camp, but I do think it is fascinating to think about one feeling sort of like a bit of an old school rah-rah ensemble period piece and the other being this more kind of, you know, experimental study of, you know, real people in American society. It's like, that I love those those that kind of divide, and that's going to be really fascinating to talk about, especially once we get to the other side of the globes and the narrative kind of gets more momentum going. In terms of the yeah, other it's... categories, I don't know what's really gonna what what could possibly change. I mean, you know, for example, like with Best Actor, I mean, presumably Chadwick Boseman's 
it's his widow. Somebody's going to give a really powerful speech if he wins that. And it's I don't think they can go against that narrative. And the other the other thing that's that's weighing on them right now in this period when they're under so much attack um, and they're in a defensive mode, they were they've gotten a lot of criticism for being uh, less than inclusive. There are several categories that are very white, including the motion picture drama category. Um, and I think they're gonna have, to, I have to assume that they, they almost had an, a Golden Globe so white last year. Aquafina saved them to a degree. Uh, they really need to 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 worry about that. They could have an Oscar so a, a, a Golden Globe so white this year easily. Do they, do they care? I mean, if it they what, care what, about what all the attacks that they've been getting, they do. They operate on their own. I mean, each of them is is they're yeah. not consulting with each other necessarily no. about how they fill out their ballots. Their job. There mm. is no there is no operating. Uh, system to protect them from that happening. If everybody votes for right. for Carrie Mulligan for for Best Actress, and everybody votes for Anthony Hopkins for Best Actor, and 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 everybody, uh, you know, it could happen. Um, it's, and it's and they don't have rules like the Academy has tried every which way to kind of basically figure out. Okay, everybody's going to vote, and the results are the, the results are. But we're going to create rules here. We're going to create a committee there. We're going to do all these things and bring in new members. And that's where the change comes in. You so the Globes haven't done anything to modernize. They haven't done anything to expand their membership. As I said before, they they're uh, they have made it worse for themselves in a in a in a big way. Um, so, uh, but but they also tend to have more mainstream taste than the Academy, and they tend to. So, Nomadland is a fascinating case where it's just one of my favorite movies of the year, and very moving to me. And I, I would give I would give the Oscar to Frances McDormand in a heartbeat. Let her have three Oscars; it's fine by me. But but the it's it's she's just extraordinary to me, you know. And the story of the performance is really remarkable and there's no real backlash. I think I've said this before, but it's like you could see a backlash if someone were to say that, you know, it's like this rich Hollywood person pretending to be, you know. No, well, that story in the New York Times that Kyle Buchanan did, you know, reveals really that it's, it's, it could, it was really, it was a really good story for her because it shows how hard she's trying to live a normal life. I, re I remember Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward now they lived in Darien, Connecticut, or Westport. I forgot which one, but but you know it was it was a, obviously a New England enclave. Uh, but they were allowed, you know, they were allowed to live normal lives uh, as stars, and they did. You know, it's been a fascinating narrative. I think in the last few weeks is, is promising young woman. Um, if Carrie Mulligan wins for best actress in drama, and I could have seen a world where somebody might have submitted that movie for comedy. And there would have been a whole complex conversation. They about submitted it. it for comedy. They they and it was put in for drama. That's what they oh, did. Oh, see, this is this is why I don't do what you do. And so this is a really important point of, of clarity. So it's up to the HFPA to make that. They decide. Yeah, they they don't go with what this. They don't. This has happened many times. The Martian was, was deemed as, to be a comedy. Right, <laughs> you know? but get out was submitted as a comedy, and that's how they accepted it. And I remember there was a whole. People There's always debate. That first and, yeah. yeah, but I mean, because this one, it's, it's very interesting. If it had been seen as a comedy, it would have been a very different situation. But she is in this category alongside Viola Davis, 
who may be a Best Actress Oscar frontrunner alongside Frances McDormand. But in this case, you're saying Carrie Mulligan stands a really good shot with the HFPA. And I think that's fascinating because that's a movie that seems to have more recently developed a very robust fan base. It's it's popular, man. Everybody likes this movie except me. <laughs> no, no, I'm just um, no. I actually always admired Carrie Mulligan's performance, so I I'm totally fine with 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 anything that goes on there. I think I and I love the screenplay. I always had some issues with the directing, but the Golden Globes, they gave it all of those things i have and, to tell you i was i was late on this one much later than i care to admit i wish i had seen it at sundance and been able to, to kind of debate it with you and other people because i think what's fascinating about it is that it's so unpredictable it's willing uh to do things tonally with the subject matter of sexual abuse and all these other kinds of really dark issues that come up but also do them in a way that's sort of subversive that allows her performance to kind of keep you guessing. And I just thought, even though you're right, sometimes the direction is uneven, there's, there's something about the riskiness of, of the storytelling that you don't usually see on a film of this scale. And, and I just, I was really drawn into that all the way through to the end. And that's so you could see, you could see, they, you could see the uh, look. A lot of people are are very impressed by what Emerald Fennell did. Um, you know, a lot of people are, and, and I could see them. Um, I think Aaron Sorkin wins screenplay. You know that they put all the comedies and dramas into one category. So Emerald Fennell is up for both director and screenplay. She took a, a you know, those are hard slots to get. That's a sign of strength. So the, the promising young woman has to win something. So suppose Viola Davis wins actress. I could imagine promising young woman winning screenplay, but they're going to give it to Sorkin. They have to give it to Sorkin. Right. right. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it just seems like one of those things where there's probably a couple of people who didn't even see the movie who will vote for. I mean, it's just that's the superstar, right? But also- but the other question about momentum that's sort of interesting is how what I was saying before. I mean, Judas and the Black Messiah, they saw that earlier than a lot of other people, and they gave it a couple of of nominations um, for song and for supporting actor for Daniel Kaluuya. What if, what if, you know, he's the one who wins over Leslie Odom Jr. Um, that's a big, I could see that actually happening at the BAFTAs. I could see it happening at the Oscars. But I, for now, I'm going to say the momentum is going to go to where I thought the race was a few weeks ago, which is Seafried, Amanda Seafried for supporting actors for Mank, because that got six nominations and this, it has to win something, I think. We've talked and, before about the kind of the subtle nature of Netflix's campaign for this movie that divided critics got largely shut out of critics awards and yet has continued to churn along with support that suggests a fairly sturdy Academy interest in the movie. And she's very, she is the strongest aspect in many, for a lot of people. I mean, it's one of her best performances. It, it it's the best she's ever given. And she holds her own with Gary Oldman, which is hard to do, I think. Um, but the, but the, the SAG people about their didn't age seem to did think not, so. Yeah, and the SAG was not, but there was a whole thing yeah. about their age that didn't really stick, the age difference between them. And so that there's a resilience there. And obviously, again, she benefits from, uh, not being up against 
Maria Bakalova, who is sort of the the uh, she'll win. She'll she'll win. win. And then you have this thing with Glenn Close and Olivia Coleman rematch, which I'm surprised that's not gaining as much track. That's a great fun drama. So Bakalova. Bakalova's over the way that they broke it down is is Bakalova is musical or comedy best actress actress yes so she's not competing against the supporting actresses who are not divided by musical comedy or drama and I have to say it's the best actress musical or comedy that's a, a pretty weird funky category this year I mean I that's not well, even that's where they get Kate Hudson off. for music yeah I don't Michelle even know Pfeiffer, I Rosamund like Pike Michelle is Piper actually thing. very good in I Care a Lot, but it's hardly an awards movie, really. Rosamund you know? is always worth talking about, though. And Anya Taylor Joy, she certainly had quite a year with, on the heels of Queen's Gambit to enter an awards conversation for Emma. So they're uh, going to probably give it to her for Queen's Gambit. That's their option. So she, so she doesn't have to win maybe. in this category. Yeah, yeah. But it would be. So they're voting for TV and film. If she right. gets it for both, that would that would be a hell of a thing because she is sort of the one of the bigger rising stars to to just enter a new stage over the past year. I mean, you know, I thought she was great in The Witch, and we follow these people for a while, but there's always that moment where all of a sudden it's like they cross over, and this feels like that's that crossover moment. Bakalova, it's like she was just like pure discovery, but she's in a category that that just seems to really favor her in this particular situation. Yeah, so. yeah, I don't see how you, I mean, it's always about a narrative and uh, the Bulgarian actress uh, landing this role and, and running with it the way she did um, is hard for the Hollywood foreign press to deny, I suggest. So all this time, and we haven't talked about the potential upset of Hamilton, with, <laughs> which nobody seems to totally understand, but there I it is. Think I, I think the fact that Hamilton is not eligible for the Oscars and it's a filmed play is still a problem unless they feel that they need to go in the direction of, of a hugely popular uh, uh, movie. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if they, I, I don't feel it. What do you, what are you honoring here? It's like, to me, it's like, it's, it's a documentary of the stage production a category that is woefully neglected by this particular award ceremony and yet seems to be acknowledged here for things that are about its documentary production, how somebody enters into an existing stage dynamic and films it, but fine, whatever it's there. I did, I did quite enjoy revisiting the, the show with the original players and all that kind of stuff. So I wonder what sort of precedent this might set, you know, the next time we get uh, a filmed version of a popular Broadway show, it does very well on the streaming platform because those aren't going to go away either. They're, they're going to be worth a lot of money, especially with the whole question of when Broadway's reopening continuing to be a whole thing. Maybe we should talk a bit about the nature of things reopening before we, we call it quits. Yeah, today. yeah, yeah. So you guys in New York are yeah. going to get there before we do. Apparently, New York theaters are going to open next week, just after the, the moment in time where it would be relevant in um, an Oscar qualifying window of sorts. Not that that matters Dang. this year, but it is a funny <laughs> moment. Uh, however, we do know from various sources that a lot of these smaller independent theaters, whether it's Film Forum or MoMA or Lincoln Center, are not just going to jump in and reopen at 25 reduced capacity, especially when you can't get your staff vaccinated because unlike 
wait staff in a wet restaurant, they don't qualify for a vaccine. So it, it, you operate at a loss when you open at 25% capacity, yeah. and you don't have a lot of capacity and you can't protect your staff. So nobody really benefits from doing that. But the, the bigger chains are going to go hard on this. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see just, I mean, in the city, I have to tell you, it still feels like things have been a little dead. I mean, it's, it's quieter there. You, you can go to busy, find city streets that are busy, but do people want to go sit inside in a movie theater in, in a way that feels like it might be a gray area? I personally don't feel like we're there yet when only half a million people are fully vaccinated in the city of 8 million. So I think it's so not Tom, Tom Bernard of Sony Pictures Classics was talking to me the other day about how, oh, well, it's the old folks that are vaccinated that are going to return to to the art houses and droves. And I, I somehow doubt that. But um, it's an interesting theory. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what what it means in, in the sense that returning in droves, you know, these are these are habits that I mean, certainly, you know, they don't just go away, but you also need to feel the imperative to bring them back. I mean, it's one thing to go sit in a restaurant because there's something easy and relaxing about it. But going to see a movie, that's a very complex kind of cultural habit. You know, reading the newspaper, getting the review, feeling like this is worth your time, finding a place that's close enough to you and then sitting through it. I mean, it's it's sort of a contingent on a whole set of variables that are not a given right now. So we might be there at a certain point. I mean, every day I open up the Times and I read different things about, you know, this vaccine is more effective than that vaccine and this variant and that variant and all this kind of stuff. So I, I do feel like there's there's going to be this sort of touch and go situation where people are going. We are, we're moving in a positive direction. There's no question about that. You can sense that. But also people are more hesitant than ever before to trust the climate. So that's that's really going to be the open open area of sorts where I hope that the theaters can find a way to come back bit by bit and experiment. And, and maybe there, there are going to be some people who can, you know, do one-off kinds of events and see how it goes. But the idea of just, you know, opening your doors, it just doesn't seem. And some of them aren't, some of them are going to, I mean, film, film at Lincoln center is going to wait a bit and, you know, hold off until, until it makes financial sense for them until they have enough product. I mean, that's the other thing. We, we, so we're going to slowly see the whole, the whole system, you know, right itself so that there's movies going out and places to show them. But we're also getting lots of indications of, of the theaters that are shutting down. And, and we knew that was going to happen, that there would be some, some attrition and, th- and that the circuits already under duress would let go of some of their weaker houses. So there's going to be fewer theaters in the end. When and if these entities reopen, they are reopening in a fundamentally changed climate for ex- exhibition. This past week, we also heard from Paramount Plus and how they're going to put Mission Impossible on the streaming platform 45 days after it's theatrical. So 45 days is the new window. It's totally that's not they're not going to say oops once all the theaters come back in six months and go back to the old way. That's no, not- they're not. And I would say to you that Universal had a 17-day window. That's before PVOD. You know, that's what that window is. And then there's um, all, yeah, Warner Brothers did this day and date thing. You know, that was one set of, 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 of a model, that one model for people to follow. This is a more likely model for people to follow, I would suggest. This could be the 
the standard uh, for the entire industry. I, uh, and Mr. Uh, Jim Giannopoulos, the head of Paramount is very uh, respected and um, someone who's regarded as a kind of um, mediator, you know, and leader for the industry. And I think, I think they will uh, pay attention to this and an exhibition will maybe recognize that they can't go back uh, any farther than this. It's going to be a fascinating sort of resettling. I can't believe that, you know, we spent two, three, four years, what was it, anticipating the quote unquote streaming wars. Nobody anticipated the phase that we would enter into in which all these studios would rush to suddenly be a part of it. I mean, it's even there were some folks who were doing it faster than others, but now it's like, that's right. It's a, it's a that's right. Environment. I know. So, Next week, I guess What's the, we'll, we'll see what Next happens. week, we have a guest. We have to tell everybody about our guest. Oh, yeah. Why don't you reveal our guest? Our guest is Tom Quinn, who is the CEO of Neon. And, of course, that's the company that released Parasite last year. And uh, they have a roster of movies in, on the documentary side, on the foreign language side, uh, all sorts of things to discuss about this year. And we look forward to having him. Yeah, I uh, we haven't done a live one in a, in a bit, not since the start of the year. And uh, I think Tom's a great guest for this stage because we've known him a long time. I remember when he was, you know, at Magnolia and working on some really cool, edgy stuff that a lot of people didn't understand the market for, like let the original, let the right one in, or things like that. You know, pushing genre filmmaking to a whole new level. In a way. And digital releasing through uh, Radius at the Weinstein Co. And moving from, from, from Magnolia to doing that to, to, to figuring out how to build it from the ground up, forging a relationship with Bong Joon-ho, the kind of multi-year plan to make that a filmmaker who could actually resonate um, you know, across this industry. And then understanding that Parasite really could go all the way. I mean, this is not BS. This is like genuine uh, uh advocacy it's not just being an industry a smart industry person being somebody who actually cares about a certain kind he of takes movie chances movie. yeah he loves movies and so fun and um we'll have info out for how people can sign up to listen to this conversation and submit questions so if you know it feels like we're not getting to the right ones you can play a role in this too so we hope that people tune in and, and i think it's going to be it's a good time for us to uh we spend so much time just in an echo chamber so it's always fun we can bring in a third voice so um so i'm excited about this one but uh, enjoy the globes and i'm sure we'll be chatting online and snarking away and, and we'll see of what of course what are the globes weekend. without snark all right yeah. bye bye, bye darling Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.